Well, good morning, RBC. And let me start by saying this. I miss you. It has been a quarter of a year since we've been together. I'm an extrovert, but it's well beyond that. I'm your pastor. I miss seeing you in the lobby, talking about issues of life. I miss the hugs, the slaps on the back. I miss the singing. I miss the laughter. I miss the joy. I miss the relationship, the communication. It's been hard on all of us. And so with that, there are two topics that I want to address before we actually get into the subject matter, which is navigating the turbulent waters of confusion. So I'd like to have you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. While you're turning, I'm going to address these two issues, and they will segue into this particular subject matter at hand found in Ephesians chapter 4. The first subject is this. Why wasn't anything said last Sunday about the death of George Floyd? How could that possibly be such an oversight? Well, I'm not going to give you an excuse. I'm going to give you an explanation. And there's a difference. I don't like excuses. That's just getting around the issue. Here's what happened. George Floyd was killed on Memorial Day, May 25th. I came on in your living rooms, wherever you're watching, May 31. That's a long time to be able to say something. Most of you might be thinking that I record my messages early that morning. I don't. Nor do I record them on Saturday. I usually record them on Friday. That week, I recorded it on Thursday, but that's still plenty of time between Monday and Thursday when this thing happened. But here's what you don't know, and I don't want to get into a lot of details. I have four children, and my third, uh, my daughter, uh, suffers from uh, severe chronic pain. And that week, it was very severe. I didn't watch any news. I didn't get a newspaper. I knew nothing about this at all. Then I prepared my message to speak, and I came in on uh, Wednesday to, or Thursday to give the message, but I prepared on, on Wednesday. So I give the message, make no mention of this because I know nothing about it. I get home, and my wife says, look at the news. The nation's falling apart. I thought, what in the world is going on? And then I thought, our black brothers and sisters in our church, including around the world, are in great pain over this. We need to get the word out. I got up that morning because I knew that Bruce Campbell, our executive pastor, was going to be giving the announcements that he was going to record them on a Friday. Great. So I text Bruce that morning and say, something needs to be said about this. Our black brothers and sisters are in a great deal of pain. Please pray for them. Bruce comes in. He records he gets home, and at 5.28 that night, I get a text of Bruce saying, Mike, I feel so badly, I just saw this. And we know how texting and all that kind of thing goes. That's where the confusion lies. So, horribly sorry about this. Many of you know that I am very involved in this area regarding racial reconciliation, and this thing has just rocked my world, and something clearly would have been said. Secondly, I want to talk about the confusion regarding reopening. I have met with no less than probably 25 pastors, either one-on-one, -on, -one, on the phone, or on Zoom. 
Big churches, small churches. Every single pastor that I've talked to has said, I have no idea what to do. We've never been here before. This is like a, being in a dark cave. And most, uh, most churches have put something online saying, here's the proposed date for reopening, and then they have to put on the brakes because new information comes in from the governor or data from the medical world. Our number one priority is your safety, and that's true of all the pastors in the United States. At least I trust it is. What we don't want to do is ramp up too fast and then realize we shouldn't have done this and pull back. It'd be better if we ramp up more slowly, conservatively, and you'll hear more about that as the weeks unfold. So try to be patient with us on that. Because anytime there is a difference or a, a, a gap between one bit of communication and another, there's going to be confusion. It breeds confusion. And what's so different and so hard is that I can't meet with anybody. Everything is through texts and Zooms. You can't read body language. It's just a, it's a, it's a hard time. But we're going to find out from Scripture how do we navigate through these troubling waters. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me read the first three verses. And by the way, what we're going to look at here is not just for the church. It's for the nation. It's for business. It's for your family, for your neighborhood, your sports team. I don't care what it is. There's confusion everywhere. And the scriptures tell us exactly how to navigate it. The scriptures do not tell us how to reopen a church. The scriptures don't tell us anything about COVID-19. But God is all wise. And he has given us the necessary navigational tools to work our way through a lot of this confusion. Starting in verse 1, we'll read down to verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 4. We read these words. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the body, of the bond of peace in the spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege again, to use technology to reach our people. Lord, you know how much I love them, and I know how much they love me, and we love each other. And I pray, Father, that you'd give me the words to speak as we work through this text, and we'll give you all the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This particular text, along with many others, deals with the subject matter of how do you get through troubling times when there's a lack of peace and it talks about keeping the bond of peace in the, in the spirit and it gives us very precise instructions the question is will we be obedient to these instructions and i'm going to tell you right now there'll be some things that i say that will probably trigger something because everybody's walking on eggshells this text alone talks about learning how to bear with one another during these difficult and troubling times. The first thing we read is this in verse 1. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. As a prisoner of the Lord, a bondservant. That's what this is. A bond slave, literally. That we are, we are so connected with Jesus that we are literally chained to him according to Scripture. This is my identity. 
not what color I am, not what political party I belong to, not what religious affiliation I belong to. My identity is that I am identified with being a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And if you and I are bondservants of Jesus Christ, then we will follow what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Now these are words of the Apostle Paul. But Apostle Paul was a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So the first thing we see here is we see this, this whole subject matter of identity. And so often our identity is in our job or in our looks or in our health. Not according to Scripture. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. And we are bondservants of Christ. Once we identify with that as a church, as a gathering, it will change everything regarding being in this dark cave of confusion. And there's a lot of confusion. And then it says in verse 2, there are several things that are stated in verse 2. Be completely humble. Let's just pause right there. Be completely humble. We hear that word humble a lot. What, what does it even mean? What does humble mean? Does it mean to be quiet or introspective or not have an opinion? No. My definition of humble is found in, in the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter, where Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. Zero. Which means that you're looking around, you're seeing people do all kinds of things. That's right. It counts as zero if God is not behind it. And even the things that we do, the skill sets that we have to build high-rises or computers, all of that is still given by Jesus Christ. Because the book of Colossians says, in Him is all wisdom and knowledge. We have lots of knowledge, but we don't always have the wisdom. And you've heard me say it over and over and over again. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Wisdom is the proper application of that knowledge. And boy, do we need that today. We have a lot of knowledge in a lot of areas, not a whole lot of wisdom. So when I think of humility, I first of all think of the fact that, oh, without Jesus, I can do nothing. Literally, I also know nothing without Jesus. So humility is right away recognizing the fact that I don't have all the facts. I need to learn to listen to people that have a different opinion than I do. When data is coming in from everywhere, you get some from from CNN, something totally different uh, from Fox. The Democrats and Republicans are giving you completely different information. No wonder there's such confusion. And a humble heart, a humble spirit listens. It pays attention. It doesn't think it's right about everything or that it has all the facts. You've heard me say this before. What we don't know about a particular subject is infinitely more than what we do know about that subject. If you could take all the immunologists in the world, all of them with all their great minds, take all of their understanding of viruses and put it into a particular database, in comparison with what there is to know about viruses, they know nothing. Zero. That's how complex life is. The human cell, everything is extremely complex. I'm going to read something to you that somebody sent me the other day and uh, it'll come up but I, I, I want you to really ponder this. Just think about this. This is incredible science and science is continuing to reveal the great truths of Scripture. It says, it says this, 
Did you know, and just listen to this, did you know humans can only see 1% of the visible light spectrum, which means we can only see 1% of what is going on around us, all right? In other words, we are unable to see the vast 99% of the world we live in. The majority of our existence is unseen. Is that something or what? We only see 1% of what is going on around us. And that's exactly what Jesus is, is teaching. All throughout Scripture, it talks about man living in darkness. You know, sometimes when a person goes to their ophthalmologist or their optometrist, and they have all the different pressure tests and everything, which I had done just the other day, they might end up saying to you, you're legally blind, which means you shouldn't be driving a car. But it doesn't mean that you can't see any light at all. It just means that you're legally blind. When Jesus talks about blindness, he isn't saying you're legally blind. He isn't saying that the world is legally blind. He is saying the world is totally blind, completely blind. Remember, I started out with the illustration. Every pastor is saying, I feel like I'm in a dark cave. I, I don't have any information on what to do. We're just sort of groping around. There is a total blindness until there is divine revelation. And as soon as I read this and saw this, I thought, wow. That's also true of hearing. We don't hear as well as some animals. We don't see as well as some animals. We don't smell as well as some animals. There's so many things we're missing in life because we don't have the full knowledge of the full revelation, which is why God has given us revelation in those things that he wants us to understand and know. And so when I thought about this, I looked at this picture of the eye here, and, and it took me back to several portions of Scripture that deal with the eye. This is what is so beautiful. Listen to these words of David in Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law, out of your word. In other words, I am blind to what's going on around me, because he goes on to say, I'm a stranger in this world. I have no idea what to do. I need you to open up my eyes. I've got physical eyes. I need a spiritual revelation. I need an apocalypse. I need something that I can see more of than I've ever seen before. The word apocalypse has nothing to do with end times. It simply means unveiling. And that's exactly what David is praying for. Give me an apocalypse. Open up my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. Proverbs says, don't lean on your own understanding. And then it talks about your eyes. Uh, it says, don't trust in what you see. Your eyes. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean upon what you see with your eyes. Because what you see with your eyes is not the total truth. Be not wise in your own eyes. Why not? Because what, what Scripture is saying is you don't have the unveiling of everything. You don't see everything. Just like science is beginning to discover regarding just the light that comes in. 1%. 1% of the light spectrum. Then I thought of 1 Corinthians 2. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them unto us. Yes, the deep things of God. We have no spectrum. It isn't like we've got 1%. We have nothing when it comes to the spiritual realm. 
Therefore, our eyes must be opened. We must be able to see these things through divine revelation. Or we read in the Gospel of John. We read in John where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Those that walk with me are in the light. Those that don't are in the darkness. Or 2 Corinthians where it says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Do you see how many places this opens up? Just this, this, this one little statement here about, did you know? I, it just forced me to go right back to Scripture to realize when you start thinking about the race issues and COVID-19, the government and all the economic problems, what do we really know? What do we really know? There has to be an unveiling. And this is why the Scriptures are telling you this is how you get through this. And the first thing is you must be humble. You got, actually, you, you have to identify with who you are in Christ, then you must be humble. And it says completely humble. Not just a little bit humble, but completely humble. Then it says you must be gentle. Gentle is the idea of just giving up your rights to thinking that you have a right to everything. You know, if, 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 if the church would do that, it might very well spread into the nation. Uh, what are our rights? Well, we have civil rights. We've got all kinds of rights. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's when we, it's when we lose the humility as to how we express those rights. And then, then it goes on and it, and it talks about be patient. In other words, don't enter, enter into the fray without knowing what you're, what you're doing. And, and just too many people are entering, they're obscuring the main issue. They're, they're missing out what the main point is. And so God comes along and he says, let me, give you, let me give you some navigational tools, some wisdom as to how to deal with your family, your business, the church, the government, race, everything. You've got to know who you are in Christ and you've got to be humble and you've got to be gentle and you've got to be patient. And then it goes on, it says, bearing with one another. Just Again, the whole idea of just walking with one another through these things without thinking that you have all the answers. And it says, bearing with one another in love. We just did a series on that a while back. We said, you, you, you're never completely human until you know how to completely love. You're never fully human until you learn how to fully love. And then it says this in verse 3. And then we're going to dive into some practical stuff here. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort, not some effort, every effort. You've heard me say this before as one of my taglines. Unity is the fruit of corporate humility. If the church is corporately humble, we'll navigate through confusion. If the church is corporately humble, it will start touching the world. They'll start seeing the church learning how it conforms to the confusion, deals with it, and is able to navigate through it. It just might have an impact on the world. Now I'm going to stir up the waters here a little bit. And I feel like I need to say this as your pastor. I'm not going to be dogmatic, but I am going to say it. I'm not going to back off from it. One of the things that is causing so much confusion is social media. You thought I was going to say social distancing. No, social media. Riots, differences between religious groups, all kinds of stuff is on social media. I don't get social media, so I'm not terribly well informed, but I know enough that I'll, I'll see in the news, it will take a picture 
of somebody's social media where some movie star says this and another movie star says that and then everybody piles on. I was on the phone the other day with a friend who in my opinion is one of the really great international Christian leaders. Uh, he's not super well known in some circles he is. We were on the phone the other day and he, he made this statement. He said, Mike, in all of my years of ministry, in all of my years of ministry, I have never seen such poisonous, vile verbiage on social media from Christians, from believers, four-letter language, crude speech, I'm right, you're wrong. As it says in James, these things ought not so to be. They shouldn't be. And there's a, there's a lost art today. It's called dialogue. People don't dialogue much anymore. What people do is they put their hands on the computer screen or whatever and they send out violent messages because they're upset at something. Before they even have a chance to cool down, off it goes and it's traveling, as I said a couple of weeks ago, at 186,000 miles per second. And then it hits and it lands and there's an explosion. And just an absolute mess is out there. Social media, I am sure, can be used wisely and well. The question is, are we doing that? The, the lost art of dialogue. You know what dialogue is? Dialogue is sitting down with somebody that sees something completely different than you do. It's a Democrat and Republican sitting down and saying, I, I really would like to know what you think about this issue and why. I'm listening. Uh, oh, oh, you, you're, you're black and you're white or you're Hispanic or you're Asian. Let's, let's just sit down and talk. And I'll tell you a little bit about this later, some of my experiences in that area. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's dialogue. When I was a kid, I was just thinking about this. I still remember the phone number of my best friend from 60-some years ago. His name was Johnny Camera, And his phone number was Jackson 40427. And the reason I remember it is because we had one of the old dial phones that most of you don't remember. But you'd pick up the receiver and you'd turn it. And it would ring. And if nobody answered, you didn't hear this. Hi, you've reached the camera residence. We're not home right now. Leave a message. They didn't have that. There was no way to leave a message. You had to dialogue. And then we would get with each other and we would talk. And as I grew up, you would sit down over a cup of coffee and you dialogued. Lost art. It's a lost art. People just send out vitriol immediately if they don't like something. And they post something. And then everybody piles on. And then they have to go back and say, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean that. And then the other people are mad for apologizing. It's happening right now between two major sports stars. And it just keeps happening. So I'm just simply saying, this is important. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some advice. It's called before you hit send, all right? Here's my advice. Avoid Bible verses to prove your point. Don't just take a Bible verse and say, well, you know, here's what it says here. Well, here, and then somebody else throws out a Bible verse over here because the Bible was not written to tell you when to reopen or not reopen or how you handle this or how you handle that. The Bible is written to reveal to mankind that he is lost and that a Redeemer has come to save him. 
And that Redeemer is the light of the world. And when you follow Him, you will not walk in darkness. That's the message of Scripture. The message of Scripture doesn't tell you every detail as to how to vote or what to do or where to send your kids to school or what have you. And sending out verses all over the place is not how the Bible is to be used. It wasn't written that way. So be careful with that. Secondly, before you hit send, make sure you run what you are going to send through the grid of these first three verses in Ephesians. Is it humble? Is it gentle? Is it kind? Is it patient? Or is what I'm getting ready to post going to cause a lot of problems? In the book of James, it says, Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. It doesn't. Your anger and my anger does not work the righteousness of God. Never has, never will. Swift to hear. Is it kind? Is it humble? Before you hit send, can my post or what I'm getting ready to send be horribly misunderstood or misconstrued by a certain group of people? Because you know, language, terms mean different things to different people. And you hit something out there and all of a sudden you're getting all kinds of feedback. And it's often very nasty feedback. It's hard to say almost anything without somebody taking it in a different way. Very, very careful. Will it bring unity or division? You're sitting there at your keyboard or your phone or whatever, and you're getting ready to put something on social media, Facebook, whatever they are, and you're sitting there. Just picture Jesus over your shoulder. And just picture yourself saying, Jesus, should I, uh, should I hit send here? And he looking at you and going, uh, is it going to cause division or unity? What's it going to do? Well, it could cause, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I, what I would do is I would follow what I have to say about words, how they're to be used. I, I think I would follow being humble and, and patient and kind and, and gentle. That's, that's what I would do. And if you're a bondservant of mine, that's what you will do. All right? Here's another question. Do, is what I'm getting ready to send enter into enemy territory? Am I giving ammunition for the enemy? Remember this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. That's divine revelation. This is why you see so much going on in the world, because people don't know that. They have no idea they are tools of the enemy, because they're walking in darkness. They're walking in darkness. Uh, where did all this, where, where did confusion even start? Genesis chapter 3. Yea, hath God said? God had made it very clear to Adam and Eve. The enemy comes along and goes, did God really say that? Confusion. Confusion. Do you know what the definition of confusion is? It means undecided. I don't know what to do. That's what confusion means. And so here's the enemy, launches confusion right in from the very, very beginning. And it's been going on ever since. How about this? How about when you hit send, you send out salt and light. We're to be salt and light. The send button, salt and light. I'm not saying you can't have an opinion. Just make sure it's a humble opinion in the way you state it. And I would also say this during these difficult times regarding race. It was probably, I don't know how many years back it was. I don't know. Six, eight, ten years. 
I've been, I've been meeting with pastors now for about 25 years in this area. I started a prayer meeting a long time ago, and I invited all the pastors from around. That's where I first met Brett Fuller, the pastor of Grace Covenant. And Brett's the chaplain of the Redskins. He's African-American, and he and I have become very, very tight friends through the years. I'd hardly do anything without running it by Brett when it comes to racial issues. He's spoken here. I've spoken there. And we've, we've had lots and lots of meetings. So it was a number of years ago, and I began to realize, I, I thought, wait a minute, why is this race issue? Didn't Martin Luther King kind of solve this thing? It shows you how naive I was. So I started building relationships with black pastors in the area, and I started meeting with them. And then I started meeting with black people in our church, and I would sit across them and say, tell me what it's like to live in America, in white America, as a black person. Tell me. I want to know. And my eyes are as big as saucers after they gave me their view of what it's like to be black here in the United States. I was blinded. I wasn't even seeing 1% of the light in it. And ever since then, I've been very, very sensitive to my black brothers and sisters regarding this particular issue. As a matter of fact, it was last Tuesday that Brett invited a number of us over to pray over this issue. And it was outdoors. And we walked up to a microphone, and here is... Brett Fuller, African-American, and he invites the chief of police, the chief of police, who is white, and they're good friends, demonstrating the police, and, and, and uh, here's Brett representing the blacks, and here we have this mess right now with the police. I salute the police. We'd be dead if it weren't for the police. But the word police to some people sets off a charge. Black sets off a charge. White sets off a charge. Words set off a charge. These things ought not so to be. They ought not so to be. If we are humble, no matter what color we are, no matter who we are, these things will work out if we follow the Scriptures. You can have an opinion. Just make sure it's humbly expressed. That's all I ask. That's all Jesus asks. Make sure it's humbly expressed. We started with an illustration that we're in a cave. No flashlight. It's not just dark. It's pitch black. Never been here before. Businesses haven't been here before. Families haven't been here before. The church hasn't been here before. And everybody's groping in the dark trying to figure out what to do. And the longer we grope and don't have answers, the more confusion. The more confusion, the more Anger and animosity. It just keeps building and building. These things ought not so to be. And so as we follow Jesus as bondservants of Jesus, and we're in here and there's, 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 there's no light. There, there's no light. And we start, we start feeling our way in the cave. Oh, oh, that's, that's Ephesians 4. I'm I'm a bondservant. Yeah, I got it. 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 Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to be completely humble. I don't have all the facts on this. I got it. Oh, I'm supposed to be gentle. Got it. I I, I got it. I, I'm supposed to be patient. I'm supposed to be forbearing. Is that light I see? 
It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He just entered the scene because we were humble and kind and gentle and teachable. And he shows up. And it changes everything. Everything. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't know Christ, you are in the dark. If you know Christ and you're angry and bitter and sending out horrible things, you're still in the dark. You're not living as a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Put all that to rest. Follow what it says all throughout Proverbs about your words, your speech. Facebook is not a humble free zone. Social media is not a kind free zone. It's not a patient free zone. All right? It's a place where we have an opinion and we express it humbly. When we hit sin, we hit salt and light to a lost and dying world. And if you don't know Christ, he's the light of life. And if you don't know him, come to him. Receive Jesus as the only one that can save you. He's the light of the world. And once we do that, it will change everything. So let's be humble. Let's follow the light. Let's follow Jesus. Let's navigate our way through this confusion biblically and humbly. Let's pray. Father, I pray as I think of our people, as I think of the churches in this area, as I think of our nation. Oh God, may Jesus be the light of this world in the midst of all of this confusion, this racial confusion. Our nation is confused. Our churches are confused. Oh Father, I pray and how I pray that the gospel would go forward, that when we hit send, it's sending salt and light into this world, that people would realize that Christ has paid the penalty for their sin. He's paid the penalty for this confusion and he offers eternal life to any and all who will humbly receive him as Savior. So Father, we thank you now for this time and even this technology that can touch the lives of many. Now, Lord, I pray that you would bring peace to our nation, that you would bring healing regarding COVID-19. And may you be the one to receive all the glory. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.